Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. And welcome back to the Line of the Suite podcast. My name is Tom Jenkins. This is episode 171, and we are back only a couple of weeks after our last recording. Uh, and I'm joined by Chris Manning and James Jarvis to discuss Bolton's Easter weekend fixtures. Now, I can't remember the stats off the top of my head, gentlemen, but it seemed as though from a Easter Monday and a Good Friday perspective, obviously that's in the wrong order, but you see what I mean. We haven't won games since the 60s or 70s or some ridiculous number. I think I read today that it, we'd lost 43 times on uh, Easter Monday over the course of our history, but we've really put that right in, uh, over this weekend with a 2-1 victory away at Doncaster Rovers and a 3-1 victory at home to Accrington Stanley today. There are a couple of fixtures sort of in between, uh, the Wigan fixture that we discussed on the last podcast and these Easter fixtures but they were both one-all draws and they were both relatively dull affairs in the season that sort of petered out. But we're signing off with a bang with our recent fixtures, so I thought it'd be best to discuss those. James, I'll come to you first. We'll start with Don- the Doncaster win, where uh, Kieran sadly really turned up against his old club, didn't he? <laughs> aye, aye, the record-breaking fixture. Um, yeah, yeah, Kieran, I mean, he sc- I mean, he scored a pretty sublime goal, does Outside of that, I honestly can't really say that much about his performance, so I suppose he was distinctly average, which isn't a bad thing. Um, Better that than rubbish. <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah, I can't really think of any other standout player from that game that isn't James Trafford or Yon Daddy Bedvarsen, who I'm sure we're going to discuss plenty of in, 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 in the coming pod, but yeah, it was just... Just standard game. Doncaster were certainly a lot better than they were when they came to our place. So maybe good insight, in, good sign of improvement for them for when they go to League Two next season. But outside of that, just 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 your standard game. Good for Backer being his goal poaching self this season. And yeah, I can't I can't really have too many complaints about the performance overall. No, it's always good to get a win against a struggling side because they're always fighting for something. And, you know, it shows that even though we're not playing for an awful lot ourselves, you know, we're still fighting at the same time. I mean, I saw Doncaster today as we record this podcast on on Easter Monday. Um, they came from 3-0 down to draw with uh, with Shrewsbury away from home. So clearly they're, they're still alive and kicking in their minds. But uh, always good to see off a team like that, Chris. And, um, you know, as we as James has mentioned, Bakayoko on the score sheet, sadly with the winner, and the winner obviously coming a minute after conceding the goal. So it's something that it's always good to see going into next season that this team doesn't know when it's beaten. Definitely. And I think as well to see people coming back into the side, I noticed with Thomason playing a player that I do like, um, and I was hoping he would get more minutes. I was surprised he didn't play today um, against 
who'd we play today? Accrington. <laughs> I've forgotten already. Uh, I was thought that Thomason might have got another another game because from from all accounts he certainly didn't do himself any any harm with his performance. But I think the mentality side of it is is important because going into the game, obviously there was no Santos, um, there was no Dapo, and so you think that, that predominantly there are two main players. I would I would suggest. But when you're seeing Sadler coming back, coming to the team and scoring the kind of goal that he did, Bakayoko scoring a goal, and for me dealing with dealing with still dealing with how to how to set the team up without Fossey, I, I think that's been that's been positive too. I thought that the, the way that he played when he was on loan with us was absolutely spectacular, and I was worried that when he left the club, um, obviously with injury, he didn't have much choice in it. But when he left the club, that we would sort of drift a little bit and I think that's maybe been borne out a touch in one or two games with, with how we've struggled until we reverted to the sort of formation that we played when Fossey was with us but back to your original point I, I, I totally agree I think it, always to finish the season on a high um, is going to stand in good stead for the following campaign and, and I think it's a, it's time that the, the new recruits as well your Demp- Dempsey sadly etc started to become more prominent because you're thinking you've got to think they're likely to be more important players going into next season as opposed to this while they still find their feet with us. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think actually we, we, we seem to have recruited very, very well in January. You know, you, there's not many players that have come in who haven't given a properly good account of themselves. I think Dempsey's probably been the only one who's sort of been flitting in and out because of injury and it's, it's been, you know, difficult to see the best of him. But there's certainly a player in there that's got a very, very good pedigree at this level and obviously he's got something to prove for us for, for next season. Um, you mentioned Fossey there, and obviously it's his injury that sort of forced us to go back to a four-back formation, which we've utilised in, in the last two matches to you know, varying degrees of success. I think changing that formation in the Accrington game, which we'll come on to later, sort of helped us secure the victory. But um, I'm just interested, Chris, to see what you think in terms of playing that, that sort of 4-2-3-1 formation when we've got strikers like Bod Vars and Bakayoko and Charles who all seem to prefer having a partner up there. Do you think we're going to have to get someone like Fossey in for next season, if not him or someone of a similar kind of mould to really see the best out of those players to be able to play with a partner up front? Mm, I, I think so, but I think more, more than that, I think it's, it's going to have to be sort of horses for courses in the, that we're going to have games where it's right and proper to play Charles up front on his own. But then, again, to sort of come back in time to today, I think we saw today the perfect combination where Charles runs himself into the ground for an hour because he's a bit of a pest. Ultimately, you know, he struggled. Should have scored in the first half, arguably. Didn't didn't notch. But then, by the time Bakayoko and Bodvarsson came on against two very physical centre halves and a very physical team overall, it almost was a, a bit of a perfect balance. And and so, whilst I'm, I'm, I think our striking options for next season, if it stays as it is, I wouldn't be too unhappy. I think you know we're, we're we've got the sort of one in three sort of strikers between the, the the trio up front, and I think that if we were to to, to go back to someone like Fossey, it would obviously complement Declan John on the other side, um, meaning that I'd never have to see Amici play a wing-back role ever again, which would be positive <laughs> in, its, in itself. But then it can only be to the benefit of the strikers, can't it? Because Charles is obviously is, is, is shorter, he's physically shorter than Bod Varsen and, and Bakayoko, so he benefits more on a, a passing-based game, which the, perhaps the importance and a wing-back's isn't as crucial. But then if you're going to be playing the more physical two or one, you know, depending on how it goes, Bad Varsen or Backer on their own or as a pair, then it makes sense to have as much strength as you possibly can out wide to provide the sort of service in. We've, we've seen both players score headers this season 
Uh, and with great respect to Dion Charles, he's, he's really good at many, many things. But I doubt we'll see him score too many headers going forward. So I think the future's bright for our striking options. There's always room for improvement. But I wouldn't be devastated if we went into the next season with these three as our, our options. No, I, I don't disagree. And let, let's be honest, you know, we're not going to be going out and, and splashing the cash on whoever's scoring loads of goals in, in League Two, like a, like a Dom Telford or a Matty Stevens or anybody like that. And we're certainly not going to be, you know, looking higher at the pyramids for, for a cast off because I think those days are gone, really. We're looking for people yeah, who are going to try and add some real value to us. Um, but, but James, I think, you know, we've, met, we've mentioned Bob Barson several times in this little interchange at the start here. And, you know, rather than just sort of skipping over the Doncaster game straight over to Accrington today, you know, where he has scored two goals, I think I think it's fair to say that both of those performances have been met with with rave reviews. And it looks like now that he's really up to speed, um, he's looking a cut above this level at present. Uh, I think it's fair to say that he's the best football player in the world. Um, <laughs> God. I'm sorry, I had to, but... Don't say that in front of Chris. You know, you know he's a Dapo fan through and through. Top class, top class comment. <laughs> but, uh, but but seriously, um, he he just he just suits our club to an absolute T. Um, he he provides the other option with the hold up play, the heading ability. But 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 for a big man, he's he, he's not he's not amazing with his feet, but he's certainly a lot better than a few other big men that we've seen in our time and can can really do something some of his passing play like the outside foot cross that he did earlier in the Stanley match and um and the passing when settled back Yorko for his goal he's he's quite accurate with it and it just it just goes to show how a player who's had um extensive international uh, appearances and uh, regularly played at championship level for reading and that sort of stuff he he just he just seems to ooze that class from that he really should be when he's making the step down to a lower league. Uh, yeah, yeah, he's a very complimentary player for, it and I really hope that um, there's an option to extend his contract for another year because um, I think we're, we're seeing the best of him. Nineteen in uh, nineteen games played, six goals return is an especially good return for. Um, a target man striker, and I think he said, I think he said it himself in the interview post Stanley match that he just seems to really like it here. He's settling in well with the community. Um, there's even that video of him um, uh, taking penalties against um, a, a, um, a young Bolton fan. So yeah, we, it's just Bolton. We just love our Icelandic players, and thankfully, <laughs> David Barson, um has does not uh, interrupt that great conveyor belt in any way and uh, and plus plus I just love that every time he scores we do the Viking clap and it just winds up all the opposition fans <laughs> which is just everything we do winds up the opposition fans at the moment it seems <laughs> yeah yeah we're a club full of shit houses we can shit house <laughs> directly and indirectly and it's fantastic absolutely long may it continue I don't, I don't know about you Chris having watched obviously the game today um, and see the two goals that Bob Varson scored. You know, I, I think we can all appreciate all the unselfish things that he does. And I think James is completely correct. You know, with the ball at his feet, there are some very, very classy touches there that demonstrate, you know, the pedigree that he's played at previously. But I was gobsmacked with, with the quality of the finishing that I saw today because that's not really, you know, the Bob Varson that, you know, we've been used to seeing or seen maybe down the years because to, to finish with such a plomb on both occasions was, was the kind of thing that you'd have expected from, 
someone at a much, much higher level with a much better goal scoring record. Yeah, completely. Uh, I think it, it bears saying as well, I don't think we'd have won that game today without him and Bakayoko being brought on. Uh, I thought Charles was, again, energetic and, and should have scored, but I didn't see us having, a, having a, a sniff of the game in the second half. I thought they were well on top for the first 15 minutes. Uh, and Agreed. so had, had he not made that change, I, I very much would have, would have doubted that we'd have won that game. Um, but Bod Varsen, he gets better every week, doesn't he? And, and I wasn't mad impressed when... I first saw him because obviously we come across him in the past for various clubs and he never really left too much of a mark and his goal scoring record was now to now to sing about I mean I think he's the highest he'd ever scored in a single season was eight or nine and he's, he's almost there now he's only been with us for half a season so it bodes well for the future but I, I thought that the ball finishes were absolutely superb and like you say indicative of of, of somebody who has played at that kind of level you know a, a, a striker in this division could probably be forgiven for putting his head down and just belting the first one, but no, he, you know, he looked up, he, he knew where he was in the box, he, he understood the space and where the keeper was positioned and lifted it. Well, that you don't see that happen very often at this level, do you? A player striking the ball into the roof of the net, which makes it so much more difficult for the goalkeeper to reach. And, and I just thought his link-up play, his strength in the air. And again, I don't think we won a single header today until that the substitutions were made. And, and given how physical Aki's two centre-halves were, they were... Big, 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 big blokes. Um, and, and for us to not have a have much of a sniff of them in the air, despite the fact we played lots and lots of long balls, meant that that change, it really did transform the game for us. And I know they, they equalised at 2-2 for you know for what felt like about a minute before the linesman's flag went up. But I thought Bod Varson was, was tremendous in that little 25-minute cameo he had. And I think that, rotating the strikers is probably the way forward but those two can be really proud I think of their performance this afternoon I would agree absolutely uh, we've talked you know quite positively about the striking options there and you know rightly so I, th- I think they've, they've all performed admirably at, at spells this season a couple of players who have come in over the last couple of games and you know not necessarily impressed it as much James have been um, Elias Kachunga and Zavamichi. I mean, Amici was sort of playing Chris mentioned wing back role, was you know maybe a little bit further at the pitch at times, um, and Kachunga was sort of playing a little bit more centrally and having you know put in a decent shift in the Sheffield Wednesday game, and really look up to it uh, an awful lot today. And there's been a player who's you know come out for quite a bit of criticism over his time at the club so far. Um, Amici will be off at the end of this season, and uh, you know best of luck to him. It's not really worked out, but Kachunga will still be here, you'd imagine. W- where do you see him slotting in? Uh, I think it's clear that Kachunga at this point is a utility player. He's a he's a space filler that'll run around and maybe maybe cause a few problems. Maybe he can link up every now and again with a few players, but. Um, yeah, he's he's someone to put in there if you if you want to have a body in and around to maybe to maybe tie the opposition out because uh, I, I think as we saw earlier in the season it takes Kachunga a, a fair amount of games to properly get going like we saw the best of him I think um, in the November months after he had about what 10, 15 games something like that starting yeah it was quite a few and, yeah and he got uh, and he finally got used to. Uh, playing the system and playing with his teammates, that that the injury that he suffered in January is probably the worst thing that's happened to him because it just seemed it just seemed to completely reset him. He's not been as bad as he was, um, say in that period in October where he just couldn't seem to get really 
anything right, but we were short of options up there, so <laughs> there wasn't really much to uh, replace him with. But um, yeah, he's not. He's not. He's just not impressing like he was, say, maybe in the Cheltenham game where in the, uh, uh, in the two-two or. He was superb that day. But thankfully, he's also not doing nothing. I mean, he won the he won the penalty for sadly to take against Portsmouth, and um, oh, there was something else that he did. I th- oh, oh yeah, I think he um, managed to squeeze out of trouble and get past the ball to Dapo before he crossed to Sadly at Doncaster. So he's not doing nothing, but he's also currently not doing enough to to start games. So he, I suppose he's an option to have, but. Probably not one that's maybe going to stay beyond next season, if we're being honest. You know, unless he has an absolute blinder of a campaign, in which case, sign a contract. But he, he's exactly. But yeah, he's doing no harm, and he's certainly doing more about the current squad than Amici is. Yeah, no, I wouldn't disagree. Chris, you mentioned um, Kachunga uh, when we were sort of planning this podcast earlier today. You know, keen to hear your thoughts on where he fits into the overall picture. Uh, yeah, I'm. I'm probably not going to be as complimentary as James. I think to to call him a, James is the diplomat of this podcast, as you've yeah, noticed. Yeah, 100 percent the voice of reason. I think to to have him as a space filler, I think he's probably the, the height of his abilities. Um, I see a player there that's not really nailing down any particular position. Fine, you can bring him on when you need someone to fill a bit of a space, but ultimately, is that is he of the sort of level when he comes on that justifies? It justifies having him around. And for me, I think those moments have been few and far between. I think if you're looking back through the season, you could pinpoint two or three moments of quality, two or three moments where he's been a game changer for us. And I think we've learned over the years that we we can't always carry players who have that limited impact in the team. And, and so I think that's where Amici falls down as well. I mean, he's shown his, his physical fitness isn't up to, to what we need at the minute. I thought today he looked lightweight. And, and at one point, just before he went off, he had a, a shocking moment where he was he was down, you know, pretending he had cramp, got straight up again, put a tackle in, and then went down again. He he just looked like a man who wanted to be subbed in, as the second half wore on to me because such was the the limited impact he was having. So if it was a straight choice between the two, I think I'd I'd, I'd keep Kachunga if there was no other option. And he, he is moderately inoffensive, I guess, in in what he does. But he's certainly got no place near the starting eleven for me next season, unless we have a serious injury crisis. No, I would agree. I, I think I think Sadia has proven that he's got more to offer, certainly yes, in a wide position, than, than, than Kachunga does. You know, certainly from a goal output compared to when compare the two, even you know Sadia's three compared to Kachunga's two in, in you know half as much time, and and just the you know level of danger that he seems to provide when he, when he plays as well. I think he's. He's shown that he, he knows that he knows this league, he knows this level, and knows how to be successful at it, which is going to be a valuable commodity for us uh, going into next season. I was going to stick with you though, Chris, because another person who's sort of vying for those wing spots is, is Dapo Alpha Lion, and I thought he was back to, to somewhere near his best today. Um, goal obviously paid over some some other other cracks perhaps, but I just I just thought playing off that left hand side, he certainly looked a lot more dangerous. Um, Firstly, is he going to be with us next season? And secondly, it, what kind of bid would you be willing to accept for him if you know a bigger club came calling? Uh, yeah, I think his second half of the season has maybe guaranteed that he'll he'll be with us at least until January. 
Uh, I think if he'd have carried on that form that he'd displayed in the first half of this, this season, I think that would have been incredibly unlikely. Um, but the fact that he has dropped off, and I think looking, looking at the lad uh, as, a, as an outsider, you might look at someone who's only played, let's play less than 50 games for Bolton, less than 50 games uh, in professional football. Um, and it harks back to a conversation I heard you lads have about Fossey last week where Lee was talking about the kind of money that you think might uh, might tempt Fulham to part with Fossey. Uh, and it blew my mind, no no disrespect to Lee, about, about the, the, the amounts that we're talking about. One or two million quid for someone that's played a dozen games in football. You know, I'm... I'm, I'm Shouldn't shouldn't really giggle. It does sound disrespectful. I don't mean it to be, but it's 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 very very difficult to to see what a player like Dapo might be worth. I think if you were to talk about a team that would take him, I, I don't think you're going to be talking about the the top half of the Championship. You like to Bournemouth and uh, teams like that. People coming down from the Premier League. I think you're probably more likely talking about a, a you know a Preston or or Millwall, someone like that. Whereas if you were to if you were to break six figures, I think I'd be surprised. Not to say that I don't think Dapo was worth it. I just think that maybe it's such a small sample size at the minute, his his professional career, that, that there's not really much by way of comparable evidence. And I think that that would then point to him being far better served, sticking with us for another six months, continue to uh, to, to play as we know he can play. And then who's to say that that, that um, opportunity might strike at someone, someone larger? You know, a, a team coming down from the Prem or a team in the upper reaches of the Championship, not so much your your lower to mid-level ones that I think might be the ones looking at him now. It's not to say I don't think Wanderers might not sell if the, if the decent offer came along. I think we, we need to learn to not be so attached to players these days. I think that's something that we've struggled with in the past. And, and sometimes the sale of a player at a moment that seems inopportune for the fans is is something that allows someone else to flourish in the team. But uh, I guess time will tell on that one. No, I, I can understand your point. Um, I'm looking at sort of Dapo's stats now, just just while we're talking. And he's so 42 games this season, 21 last year, so that's 63 for Bolton alone. And then there's a, a handful of smatterings elsewhere if yeah. you don't count his sort of experience with Solihull Moors. But you know, it's it's a different level. So perhaps that you know, no disrespect to Solihull Moors, but you know, whether or not that's the kind of thing that a higher end championship side would be taking into account is probably unlikely at this stage. Um, the only thing I counter in terms of the, the amount of money that gets banded around for players at this level is it was you know quite a while ago that someone like Adam Ola Lookman went for absolutely loads and loads of money to, to Evans and obviously he was a lot younger than, than Dapo was so that was all with the you know bearing in mind that he might have gone on to you know make them a lot of money back in a, in a resale. But I think if you remember Max Waters going to to Cardiff from from Crawley was it last season and he went for something like two million pounds having only played the fifteen matches that he scored all of those goals in for Crawley in his career. So I I, I think football is is bonkers enough at, at this stage for for any for, for any kind of daft offer to be put in for for Dapo depending on you know which club comes in and what stats they tend to to value. I, I just you know. And kind of the mind that I'd like to see him play for us, because um, I think there's a Me lot too. of ability there and a lot of growth that he could potentially have at have at the club. I mean, James, I think we've had this conversation you know, numerous times, but it'd be interesting to see where you stand on this issue. And again, similar kind of question: what kind of offer you would entertain for his services? Uh, I, I honestly think we could get like two and a half for him at least. Yeah, um, you, you know that um, if we're talking about stats. Uh, with the with the appearance to goal ratio, it's not outstanding, especially when you take into account Solihull Moor is a smatterings of loan spells elsewhere. 
and he's only really turned it on properly this season. 42 and 14 certainly is not a bad return at all for a winger. But then you get the people looking at the stats like his dribble rates and how he's been topping that for since pretty much the start of the season for beating players and things like that. Um, not not doing too bad for assists. I think he's got like five or six this season, which isn't too bad. Yeah, you can get the the scouts looking at things like that and just thinking, yeah, yeah, he's worth a punt. I kind of agree, though, that it wouldn't be an upper-level um, championship club. But, but, but maybe if you're DARPO, you're thinking at that point, is it even worth really making the jump? Obviously, it might not be, be up to him, but uh, if, if you're his case... Would it be worth making a jump, or you might because he might just want to stay at Bolton for a potential promotion campaign next season? Then he'd just be playing Championship football anyway under a manager who, who he knows, has total faith in him and and his abilities. So, uh, so I th- I think Dapo's at the very least is in it for another season. I wouldn't even say six months; another season at least. But by that point, he'd only have a year less left on his contract, and he'd be worth less. So, but you never, but you, ne- but you never know. You never know. Maybe he could get another contract extension in that time. We seem to be doing a lot better in that regard, offering players contract extensions so they'll be worth more further down the line. Yeah, uh, but regardless of what happens with Dapo, I think we'll get some good business for him. We just seem to be savvier in that regard, both both with incomings and hopefully potentially outgoings, though we've yet to properly see how we handle that at the moment. No, absolutely. I, th- I think the you know the two big stories that will rumble along over the course of next summer will probably be, or this coming summer, I should say, will be Afalayan and, and Santos and seeing what will what will happen with the whether they sign new deals or whether or not some club Man, comes I'm into them with with, with a crazy is bid. Going nowhere. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, this is the thing. I, I just feel as though he's the kind of player that, that someone in a championship level will look at and see what he's capable of doing and think that, you know, with even more coaching, yes, he's 26, 27 or something like that. And there's, you know, limits to how much improvement one can make after that age. But there's very, very few centre backs with his physicality, his pace, and his ability to pass the way that he does um, at any level. And I can see him being a very, very valuable proposition for anybody at championship level looking to try and. Uh, really going to attack the league. So um, let's just hope that we can, we can hold firm and, and, you know, keep him to be able to retain his value at Bolton and help us get up there. But uh, yeah, I, th- I think looking forward to, to the summer, <clears throat> excuse me, having seen, you know, the quality that we can actually produce when we've not got someone like Santos at the, at the centre-half and we can still burn win games should should make us quite an attractive proposition for, for signings as, as we go into, as we go into the, uh, the, the transfer window. Chris, is there any point to me asking you about the links that we've had to Jack Iredale? I assume you've never seen him play. Never heard of him, mate. But I, I know I've been t- slightly tongue in cheek. He's a left back, I think, isn't he? Indeed, from Cambridge. Yeah. So there, fair, fair dues. I think full back is a position that we could improve on. And I say full back and wing back, meaning the sort of same thing. Um, I think for for me, I think Fossey would be my number one target this this summer in terms of immediate improvement. But then I think proper competition for, for Declan John would be, would be well and truly up there on the list as well. I think Liam Gordon's done not nothing particularly wrong when he's come on and played for us, but I, I don't think he could ever be good enough to be first choice over Declan John. And I think that to have somebody of a, of a decent 
standard decent ability that can push John as well or even push on further up the pitch wouldn't be a bad thing by any stretch of the imagination either. I've, I've read a little bit about him, so I'm aware that um, some of the rumours are linking him with, with championship clubs at the minute. I think Birmingham and Preston were mentioned in the report I read, which might end up being blowing us out the water a little bit. But again, you know, we've got a lot going for us. We've got seemingly a progressive, progressive manager, progressive club, progressive owners, and with a little bit of backing in the transfer market, to say we couldn't compete with those bottom half uh, championship sides. Bring it on. No, absolutely. I, th- I think, you know, Preston would be the biggest danger there. I wouldn't want to go anywhere near Birmingham if I were a footballer right about now. I mean, I, I don't know whether or not it's happened or whether it'll be happening once this podcast goes out, but it looks like Lee Bowie is about to exit there and, you know, all the other kind of, I mean, they lost 6-1 to, to Blackpool today. So, no, I wouldn't be, wouldn't be high on my list of uh, destinations as, as, as a footballer. How, how much difference do you think, Chris, it makes with trying to be an attractive proposition to, to any kind of player who's coming to the end of his contract and has got suitors maybe higher up the pyramid is the fact that we are playing a much better style of football than, than under Parkinson or under you know previous managers that we had at Championship level even. Definitely. I mean, I can't imagine that, that someone like Bod Varson coming down from the Championship and playing international football and Premier League football in the past would, would have thought twice about looking at a Wanderers team that played the sort of football that we were famous for under Parkinson. Yeah, um, you know, if... It, it, back when I first started watching Wanderers, it was one of our sort of biggest selling points is that we could take these these damaged goods players, turn them around and, and re, reju, rejuvenate their career. So, yeah, but absolutely, why not? I think it's uh, it's a lucrative, it can be a lucrative market, can't it? You, all you've got to do is come back and have one or two examples of players that you've, you know, in, in inverted commas, you've rescued, that, that other people will start to look to you. Even if you consider someone like Dion Charles, who was banished to Accrington's second team. I know that was a contractual thing, so not quite the same. But if we can be seen to to perpetuate the careers of people like that, along with the work we're doing with the you know, with Traffords of this world, Aaron Morley, etc., the loanies that have come in and done okay with us, it, it all it all points to a to a club that where teams are happy for loan players to go to. You know, we often I heard talk from uh, from previous higher ups at the club about how we should be utilising the, the cast offs from Premier League teams, the kids. Um, there's loads of markets that we could look to explore. They wouldn't necessarily break the bank, and that and that we should be doing, in my opinion, to 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 widen our horizons a little bit. You never know who's out there. No, absolutely. I mean, and ge- geography, sorry, you know, helps us, doesn't it? You know, the, the location of the club, being able to to get cast-offs from from Man City, from definitely, you know, Burnley potentially, even if they don't go down, and you know, they've got some good young players who have come through over recent years and could potentially be of of use to us. I mean, going on to to talk about, you know, in a nice segue, they're going to talk about players that we could be looking at next summer. Um, James Trafford is certainly one that I think a lot of Bolton fans would like to see return to the club. You know, between the sticks, James. He seemed to allude to the fact that there might be some deal in the offing for him to come back next year. Would that be an option you'd like to explore? Uh, absolutely. Um, I remember both us chatting in the last podcast how um, we we were maybe uncertain about his ability to properly make saves consistently throughout the match, and then and then he just listened to to me, other James, say and thought, <laughs> the bell end? let me show you what's up." And then he had um, made some fantastic saves against Doncaster. So. Yeah, no. He's all kept a clean sheet in that time, by the way, James. Just to sort of get even out the argument. Well, <laughs> yeah, but neither of those were really down to him, were they? So, no, 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 absolutely not. Yeah, so um, yeah, I think Trafford's more than proved himself enough, and um, 
I think, like he said himself, he'd only want to return to City if he was going to be number two to to um, uh, Edison. And I think Stefan has given that opening to him, but I think all the City fans are looking towards uh, Bazunu for next season. And understandably, James Trafford, now that he's got a taste for it, wants games. And <laughs> he's he's pretty settled here and uh, got got again, got a lot of belief under him. And so it just seems to be... Well, well suited, match made in heaven, and hopefully, whether it's on a loan with a view to permanent, or we can just get him straight from the off. With considering he's only got one year left on his deal, yeah, uh, just seems to be perfectly set to re- return as our number one next season. And he's only nineteen, and, and the mind absolutely boggles when thinking about goalkeepers playing regular football at age nineteen. I mean. That's, there's a hell of a lot of a career left to be had there. You know, still learning all the time. I think you know we've um, you know dissed the opportunities of uh, you know younger keepers that we've had. You know, Alexander Hutchinson, for example, you know being similar kind of age, but, but Trafford's come in and looked looked very very competent. And I, d- I don't know about you, Chris. Uh, you know, the the ability that Trafford has to buck his hands out of nowhere and catch the ball from crosses is a, is a huge relief to me, especially in a team that's struggled ever since Ian Everett took over to be able to defend set pieces and crosses. Definitely. Uh, I think just to, just to flip it a little bit, I thought his distribution in the first half today was absolutely honking. Um, I think been, and that's been my biggest concern with him, to be honest. I, I think mm. you know he's perfectly capable of passing the ball to Santos and letting Santos play those long passes, but I don't think he's particularly capable of doing it himself. No, and, and I don't want to put all the blame on him, because obviously acting on instruction from his manager to, to play it out from the back. I mean, no sane person would do that every single time. Uh, but but we do, and, and so far it's, it seems to have gone more in our favour than not, but that's not to forget that he is young, he is learning still. And then another one that hasn't played a great deal of professional football, but he's obviously highly rated at City, England, etc. So I think it makes perfect sense for him to stay. You'd think it would be a, a more straightforward deal to do given the existing relationship. And now, you know, we, we spoke two seconds ago about us taking some some talented youngsters on loan from, from elsewhere Premier League clubs. So let's not, you know, we're sure City we can handle their uh, their young academy products and we treat them well and develop them. Then who's to say what opportunities might arise out of that? Um, I quite like Trafford's attitude as well. You know, he's, all goalkeepers are supposed to be a bit daft and, and he certainly seems like he's got... <laughs> A bit, a bit, a bit, of, a bit of character about him, which, which you know, is is, is positive. Uh, so I, I would be, I'd be very content to see him back. I think definitely. I thought again, arcing back to your previous pod, and I'm sorry, Lee, for saying it again. I think maybe to say that, that a, a better option out there is available than Trafford was maybe being a bit optimistic. I think if we could retain his services, I think that would make goalkeeper far down the list of priorities of where we might need to to strengthen. Let your money be spent elsewhere. Where would you spend that money? Then we've mentioned Fossey. We've, uh, um, you know, had a little bit of a touch on potentially getting some, you know, cover for, for John. Are there any other areas that you know really stand out for you as areas for improvement? Uh, yeah, I think the bench. To be honest, I think we could do with better strength in depth. I think that's what they mostly tried to do in January with Dempsey and Sadlier and, and, and bringing Morley in and things like that. You know, we we don't just seem to have a. a we, we could do, I should say, with not just having a. A solid 12 or 13. I'd like us to have a solid sort of 15 and 16 players that we could look to bring in and, and rotate. I think at the minute, if if we were to bring, I think Ameson, for example, is, is is playing okay, but I don't think he is long-term of, of the sort of standard that would mean that if Santos was out for six months, I'd be comfortable that he would come in and replace. I think Baptiste, no, obviously, I agree. His, his time's passed. 
Um, I think if you'd have asked me yesterday, I probably would have said getting a better upgrade on MJ Williams would have been an option. But then he, I thought he played well today, so that might not be quite as important as you as you may think. But again, if if we were to look at someone like Dapo leaving, your uh, your only wingmen are Kachunga and, and Amici, and and I think both of those could be improved upon. So. In short, I think I'd say I, I want my another centre half and then someone else on on either wings. And again, that might mean sadly being first choice should someone like Dapo move on. But also, I'd like us to have options because I, I thought Dapo played okay uh, going back a few weeks when he played a bit more centrally as well. I know it was it was the performances that weren't tremendously well received, but but for me, I thought he looked quite dangerous. So it'd be good just to have a few more options off the bench. I think too than. Uh, than the usual suspects we've become familiar with. No, sure. No, I, I think, you know, a smattering of quality here, there and everywhere would always be good. And it would be nice for us to be going into the January window where we don't really have to do an awful lot of business and it's just mm. you know, adding a few, some few finishing touches rather than having to do a massive squad overhaul as we keep on doing. And don't get me wrong, it's worked twice, kind of, this season, but you know, at least we've seen a, a huge upturn in, uh, in performance rather than actually getting the successful result of finishing in those playoff spots. But... You know, at a higher level, you're going to leave yourself with far too much to do if you're going to get yourself into the situation that we did over over Christmas. So we are where we are on, on that front. Um, James, similar kind of question to you, but maybe a little bit more targeted. I mean, Chris's name dropped um, Williams and Morley and Dempsey there as, as the midfield options. Thomason obviously played in the Doncaster game, didn't play today. Um, is another midfielder on the shopping list, do you think? Uh, I mean, not really, because we've also got um, Kieran Lee and Josh Sheen to take into account. Who? Ah, I forgot. Yeah, you know so what? When they're out of sight, out of mind, and all of that when yeah, we're winning so, games. So, and and also, if you want to chuck um, potentially Darcy and maybe Petter and Tweedley if they get pro contracts, uh, we're very well stocked in midfield, um, uh, in the centre. So, though I wouldn't be, I'm never against strengthening a position. Maybe another DM to be proper competition for, um, for Williams. But I also think Dempsey does that job quite well as well when he's called into action. He's a little bulldog about him. So, yeah, I'd mainly, I'd probably mainly focus on the defensive areas and probably a, a probably a wing option. Like Chris said, I couldn't really name you any names outside of Jack Idale, Marlon and Marlon Fossey for the wing back roles, but. Uh, but for centre back, we definitely need a few extra bodies there because I think next season we'll we'll only have obviously Santos, Ameson, um Jones, sorry, Johnston, Jones, Johnston, and Senior. You'd you'd probably need at least another one or two there. So what what did you think of Sykes today? Because Reese keeps on mentioning him as an option that you'd like to explore. To me, he's just to me. He's just another Ameson. So bit of a headache, kick it type. Yeah, yeah. He's just a taller Ameson in in my view. Uh, maybe, maybe he could improve under Ever uh, being introduced to a slightly different style of football. I mean, Accrington certainly weren't bad passes of the ball, but they don't exactly play the same as we do. I mean, most of their chances still relied on crosses being brought into the box for the bigger men to hit into it. So. So, I, so who knows? Who knows? I certainly wouldn't be against him, but I don't know whether he'd be a long-term improvement. So, yeah, but but I've, I've put a couple bodies in there mainly, and just another wing option, just so we can um, vary our stuff. Proper competition for Darpo would probably be would probably. 
be ideal. No, I would agree with you there. I'm, I'm also looking at um, Ross Sykes's uh, disciplinary record from from this season, and we're talking 37 matches played, 16 yellow cards, and two reds. So in terms <laughs> of being in terms of being relied upon for uh, not being suspended over the course of a season, he's probably not the right man to pull those eggs into one basket. Although it's still not quite as bad as if memory serves the the guy who got sent off for, for Gillingham when we played them. I'm pretty sure he'd been sent off three times over the course of the season and also booked about 12 times in 20 games. So, we've already taken you know. Gillingham's best player this season. We don't need to, <laughs> we don't need to worry about that. <laughs> That's true. That's true. That's true. Honestly, I mean, I mean Dapo's got 11 bookings this season or something like that. And, uh, I think, and uh, it, it, that, like that fellow that got sent off for them today, he was a right bellend. He was chucking himself <laughs> all up. Chucking himself all over the pitch, diving like I've, I've never seen before. It's absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, long and there, that... there were quite a few flare-ups today, weren't there? Yeah, and seeing that challenge he did in slow motion on uh, on Morley. Bloody hell, leg-breaker, that. Shocking. Proper got into Morley's face mm-hmm. that a bit beforehand as well. Yeah, nasty piece of work. But, uh, yeah, digress. No, but I think that's probably the final point that I would make about the, the game today. Uh, I think uh, John Coleman's interview was 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 quite you know balanced about the game overall. Apart from when he said that his team were disciplined, I don't think anyone would would call that performance from from Huntington disciplined in any way, shape, or form. I thought you know Stanley games to know that was disciplined for Stanley. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, fair, fair's fair. I mean, it just looked to me from from watching through my screen that there was a lot of uh, meaty challenges going in there and that the referee was losing control fairly rapidly as the, as the game wore on and it was only a matter of time before somebody got sent off. I mean, I think the aftermath of uh, certainly what Varsity's goal before the red card happened, there was a bit of a scrap that went on and there could have been any number of uh, people shown yellows. But I think, you know, with the standard of officiating we've come to know and love this season, I think today was probably one of the more competent performances, don't you think? Definitely not. I thought he would dog shit that referee today. <laughs> really? I mean, he disallowed their goal at two one, mate. Yeah, I'll give the I'll give the line of credit for that one. Yeah, I th- <laughs> it's, it's funny, isn't it? Because the referees, we know it's no secret. No one's been controversial saying that the referees in this league are absolute bobbins. And and I thought today this fellow was, was absolutely hopeless as well. I think some of the some of the decisions that he was giving, some of the decisions that he wasn't giving wildly inconsistent and to set the scene by giving out so many yellow cards when there was only you know there was barely barely a terrible tackle in the entire game there was just no need for it and it and it does sometimes set yourself up to fail I guess in, in what your, your next steps are what your options are available to you when you do you are so card happy but uh, it worked in our favour so I won't be I won't moan about it too much yeah. I'll tell you no, fair enough I'm, I'll tell you yeah go on James I, I looked this um, ref up uh, during the game and He's mainly been refereeing at the championship level this season. So what does that say about the quality of the referees? Mm, indeed. Oh, fair enough. Fair enough. I mean, I mean, to be honest, like, the only reason why I said I thought it was one of the more competent ones that, uh, that I've seen this season is because it didn't leave me absolutely seething at my television. Uh, mm. Like, you know, the, the Sheffield Wednesday one did or, you know, the Portsmouth one did or, you know, every single bloody game that we've played this this year. I mean, I, I cannot remember. Yeah, no, he's not, not Neil Hare, is It's it? one of those. No, exactly, exactly. I mean, the only thing that really irritated me today was when John got booked just before half-time for absolutely nothing. <laughs> then, of course, he decided to go and put one of theirs uh, for good measure just to try and even things up a little bit. I mean, you know, what, what, what are you going to do? The sooner we are out of this league, the better, but unfortunately, that's not going to that's not going to happen this season. But we do have two more games to go before the season's over, away at Cheltenham next weekend, and then finishing the season at home against Fleetwood Town. 
James, we've got to be looking for two wins there, surely. Uh, I mean, Cheltenham, Cheltenham are a team full of bruises, so I'll, I'll be honest. Just hope, I'd, I just hope we come out of that game with no injuries more than anything. No, I'll give you that one. But the, the, thing, the fact that they're playing for not playing for an awful lot, you would hope that they would leave their uh, you know more malicious sides at home. But but who knows really? Uh, well, well, hopefully, well, true. Hopefully, um, I mean, our aim at this point is to hopefully finish above Portsmouth and Ipswich in ninth. So <laughs> that, that's the best we've got to play for. And Cheltenham's aim is to finish the top of the mid-table Premier League in twelfth. So yeah, very <laughs> very exciting times. Um, yeah, absolutely. But absolutely. yeah, really, I I mean, I take I take four points. A draw against Cheltenham wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. But yeah, definitely aim for six points if we don't beat Fleetwood my god that would be embarrassing especially with how much they've fallen off a cliff in recent weeks yeah I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind relegating Fleetwood not because I've got any axe to grind against the team personally it's just that it means if we go there we don't have to A go on a Tuesday night where it shits it down and we lose and we have to listen to the Captain Pugwash music if anything else oh god oh. I, I kind of wish Fleet you, now that you've reminded me of that I really wish Fleetwood and Morecambe would both get relegated together but unfortunately it's just going to have to be one of them isn't it at this rate yeah I think Morecambe have got themselves out of it truly um, uh, I mean FC Wimbledon aren't catching anybody because they haven't won in 25 matches <laughs> yeah. which makes it even more scandalous that we haven't taken six points off them but you know we are we are where we are um, Chris I, I presume you won't be heading to, to Cheltenham away I, I won't be either but Fleetwood at home at 12.30 is the last game of the season. Should be an, a good day out for, for us if we can if we can batter them as, we, as we're very well capable of doing. Definitely not going Cheltenham. I'm going getting fucked up at Rivington Barn on Saturday, getting absolutely steaming. Cannot wait for it. <laughs> as for the last game of the season, I always love last game of the season. Hopefully the weather's good. It'll be a good atmosphere. The team will want to sign off uh, with, with a decent performance too. Uh, so yeah, I, I think like much like James, I, I'm not really that bothered about the away game. It, it's you know it don't really matter, does it? So let's just hope that the lads play well. Um, hopefully Dion can get on the score sheet and just get a bit of confidence as the season finishes. I, I'd hate to think that his his first six months at Wanderers would end with him not bagging before the the last two games are out because I think his his influence has been really really positive. I really like him. Um, but yeah, it's just been one of those funny sort of seasons, hasn't it? When you mentioned about recruitment early on in the podcast and I, I didn't get a chance to sort of chip in at that point where we do seem much better at rescuing a situation, don't we, midway through the season than we do about starting on the right foot. So that'd be, that'd be my, my main hope going forward. I think that we do manage to, to recruit well and we do start the season on the front foot because I think we've had a little bit of time now, aren't we, in the doldrums? And, and, and I think it's time we, we got on with our march back up. Absolutely, absolutely. Because we haven't spoken in a while, Chris, I think it's probably just a, a question I'd like to ask you, just sort of get an overall picture of where, where you think Wanderers are, you know, from finishing this season and, you know, the season overall. If, let's say, we finish in the ninth or 10th, or obviously we could finish 11th still, but you'd like to think that we'll, we've got easier fixtures than the Portsmouth and Ipswich going into those final games. Do, do we view that as a success overall, would you think? Yeah, probably 40, you know, 50, 51, 49, something like that. I think there's there's times there's times in this season where I thought we were a shambles. There are times in this season where I thought we were we were looking much much better. Uh, and thankfully, we're in one of those better periods at the moment. And so, I think that that the way you leave the stadium puts you in the sort of mindset going forward. And I think of late, I've been much happier than the not. And uh, I think again, that's not before t- before time as well. So I think this season. 
anything in the top half was a success. I think it was probably unrealistic of those who suggested elsewhere that, that perhaps we would do a, put a promotion charge together so soon after getting back into League One, given the issues we had with resources and, and what have you. But I think we've recruited well in Jan, and if we can do the same in the summer, doesn't need an overhaul, does it? Just needs a, a couple of tweaks here and there. And I think that as long as we don't have a bad start to next season, then you know the, the, the sort of anything that we want to be want to achieve is there for us. There's going to be some some half decent names coming down into Championship next year. You know, with Barnsley and Peterborough and Derby being most likely, and Forest Green coming up from League Two at the same time. Also, um, it's an interesting division, isn't it? But who's to say we can't make a fist of it? I think there's there's, there's going to be some decent scalps in there, but I think we'd remain one of them. Given our our stature, if if it's not too arrogant to say, what about you, Tom? Where do you think we're going to finish next season? Ah, uh, it's interesting. Uh, I I think you look at that sort of top eleven uh, of teams that are there at the moment, as James sort of alluded to. That's the that's the sort of league within the league, and you know, let's be honest, it's going to be Wigan that are probably going to go up automatically, and then one of Robert and K Dons who joins them. Um, I, I wouldn't be averse to saying that one of those teams will go up automatically. One of those teams will, will win the playoffs, mm. um, and then, as you say, you know that there's a good sides coming down in Dar- uh, Barnsley, Peterborough, and Derby. Two of which know this league inside out and know how to get promoted from it. Um, you, the, the advantage we have going into it is the fact that we've got a squad of players who know each other, a squad of players who you know are, are going to hopefully finish this season on a bit of a run and then go into the summer with a lot of confidence. And that, that can count for an awful lot. I think if Sheffield Wednesday and Sunderland stay down, they could be a Sheffield United kind of situation where they languish mm. for a while. And then you've got the sort of guaranteed litmus tests of, of League One football in, uh, in Plymouth, uh, Wickham, Oxford and Portsmouth. So, you know, it, it's a bit of a lottery. I, I think playoffs is probably our, our most realistic ambition because I could see Peterborough and Barnsley running away with it if they don't have the, all their best players stolen from them, which given how poor they've been this year probably is quite unlikely. So yeah, I'll be very very happy with uh, with a playoff berth. I think that's going to be have to be the minimum requirement for for us with with the good squad that we've assembled and the better squad that we can have come the start of the season in August. Um, but you know, for some people who are predicting us to be you know, uh, sort of towards the top end of the bottom half, I thought we might get the playoffs this year, James. I think you were a similar kind of mindset. We sort of achieved that middle ground, and I don't think we can too be, be too disappointed to be honest. Yeah, no, I I had no problem with um, aiming for the stars, and honestly, if we maybe if we didn't have that um, injury crisis that we had around November December time, we might have been able to scrape it if we had some of our better players like like Sheehan and uh, you know Is Isgrove and other players like that around a bit more. We we might have been able to make something slightly more of it. So I can't really complain, especially because if we win our last two games, we'll finish on 73 points, which in, like, I think Ian Everett said it himself, in most other seasons, that that more than likely would get you a playoff spot, so especially if we can improve on that and just solidify it even more, I would happily take the lottery of the playoffs, or potentially even automatic, I like I say, aiming high, aiming high, because we are going to have a lot of quality, I know, I know you've brought up Peterborough, but Every time that I've seen them in League One, it always feels like it takes them a couple seasons to properly be up there before they get promoted. Um, Barnsley, Derby's all dependent on the whatever their takeover situation is going to be, whatever their managerial situation is going to be, if Rooney stays or not. Um, 
But but yeah, then you but, but and then we've got all the other teams around there. Your your Plymouths, your Sheffield Wednesdays, your Wickhams, your Oxfords, who are all going to be really challenging prospects to to play against. It, it's gonna it's gonna be an it's gonna be an interesting season, and it it's all going to be dependent on the recruitment. If we can strengthen our depth where we can, if we can manage our our injury situation better because we the last thing we need is another repeat of October to December where everyone just seems to be dropping like flies and we just left ourselves with nothing. Um but I'm I'm quite confident in say that the experiences that we've had season will translate into a much stronger seasons. So at the very least I would be very confident in saying that my previous prediction for this season of us being fifth, I think we can easily finish fifth next season at the very least i'd say we should be aiming top three we love that positivity we love that positivity i think it's going to be certainly a very interesting league i have to counterbalance um, mr manning <laughs> well i don't think chris has necessarily been negative about it to be honest i think i think you you like us chris believe that you know with the right recruitment and with a little bit of luck we could also sneak in there anything's possible boys anything's possible <laughs> here, here. that's, that's a good way <laughs> Exactly. That's a good way to end it with a little bit of positivity like that. Um, awesome. Thank you very much, fellas, for giving up some time on your, uh, your Easter Monday to discuss Bolton Wanderers. You know, we're not sad cases, we promise. We just, you know, really, really passionate about, about about doing all of this, which might make us sad in itself. Who knows? But I think, um, you know, we've really uh, chewed the fact there about some two, you know, good wins for Bolton. And hopefully we can finish off the season with two more wins, which we'll be looking forward to discussing with you in our end of season podcast, which will be coming up in a couple of weeks time. So, boys, as I said before, thank you very much for joining me. Thank you very much, listeners, for listening to episode 171 of the Nine Ministry podcast. And we'll see you later.